Well, my name's Andrew. Alberta. Most of you know me, but if you don't, that's my name. This thing's going to fall off. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Harmony. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, man, it's good to be back. I was sitting up front hearing everybody singing. Uh, yeah, we were in Latvia, and I don't know any Russian. Well, I know a few words now, but I don't know very much Russian. And to sit in a church where you don't know what's going on, and then to come here and sing with all of you, it just, it's a joy to my heart. So uh, glad to be back. Well, to introduce tonight, I want to ask you a question. What comes to mind when you hear, hear the word faith? Okay. Do you, do you have a definition? you have someone you think of? Is there somebody that you think of when you think of faith? Does it seem like it's a kind of a squishy word? You know, that's kind of how I say it. It's kind of squishy. I don't really know how to get my arms around it. Well, if you're like me, then I'm glad that the God's Word talks a lot about it. There's Habakkuk 2.4, which says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Or there's Romans chapter 1, verse 17, which says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, that's the gospel, from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And in church all the time, especially because of the, the damning heresies all around us, we talk about faith alone, in Christ alone. So we talk about faith a lot. And so tonight my goal is to, to look into Hebrews at what is faith. Let's get a little grasp on what is faith. And so that's what I'm going to try to embark on tonight. And before we get our hands dirty into uh, the verses in Hebrews, I want to give us a little background on the book of Hebrews since we're just jumping to chapter 11 to begin this series. And so the author, we really don't know. Uh, we don't know who wrote it. It's written to believing Jews. So if you were here this past semester, we studied a book called James, which James is written to believing Jews. So there's, there's a pretty similar audience being written to in Hebrews. The major theme is that Jesus is better. The, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And so there's going to be, we're going to hit on things like Jesus is better than angels and Moses and the priesthood. And so if you could grab your Bibles, and actually if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back if you need one. Uh, but if you, if you could grab your Bible, and let's turn to Hebrews. So it's in the New Testament. If you know where the Timothys are, then we're going to hit Titus, Philemon, and then Hebrews. Or if you're used to going to James because of this past study, it's the book right before James. So hopefully we can all find that. But if you could turn to chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 4. And I'm just going to run us through some major points of Hebrews. Chapter 1, verse 4 says, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. So that's talking about Jesus being higher than the angels. Okay, so now let's, let's move over to Hebrews chapter 3. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. 
He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, but just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. And so this is talking about Jesus being higher than Moses. And this is an interesting thing, because if you study in John chapter 5 specifically, it made me think of, in verses 45 through 47, Jesus is in a discussion with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees get to a point where they're so angry, and they're like, well, we follow Moses. And so the Pharisees loved to say that. And Jesus says, if you really believed Moses and followed Moses, you would believed me because Moses talked about me. And so this is a huge part of the Jews and why it's hit on in this book. And lastly, let's turn to chapter 7, verse 26 through 28. Chapter 7, 26, verse 26 and 28 through 28. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people because this he did once for all when he offered up himself for the law appoints men as high priests who are weak but the word of the but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever so now we see that Jesus is the better high priest that he offered himself up once and for all. And so in summary, I just hit some points in Hebrews, but that the new covenant is better than the old covenant, and the Old Testament points to their Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so the author is laboring through this book to show the Jews this. And so it would make sense that then the author wants to talk about faith, because as you know, as we study in the and in the Gospels, the thing that Jesus slams the Pharisees are that you, are, you have a works-based salvation. If they did enough, if they cleaned enough, if they got, but you know, I mean, they just, whatever they did, they were like Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, trying to do all the law, and you couldn't walk too far on a Sunday, else that was considered a journey. And you can't, I mean, they were just, it was ridiculous. And so the Jews, is, it's pretty foreign to them at this time. What's faith? And so let's turn to chapter 10 now, verse 32, and I'm going to read verse 32 through 39, and then that's going to jump us into chapter 11, and then we're going to get going on our text. But first, let's get a little running head start. Verse 32, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through the reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. 
Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, or very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. So verses 32 through 39 hit some very important things as we come in to chapter 11. It talks about in the former days after being enlightened. So these are believers, so they knew the truth. They understood the truth that we see later on in 32. You endured a great conflict of suffering. Uh, They were made public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. Sharers with those who were so treated. So there's suffering. There's difficulty. And then also there's a reminder from the author which says, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners, I'm reading in verse 34, and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. So in the midst of all these sufferings, the author is reminding and encouraging, guess what? You have something that will last forever. It's not on this earth. Which which really makes sense. Then he starts talking about faith because he wants them to continue He wants him to have confidence. There was obviously in verse 35 maybe some hesitancy because of all this persecution and struggles because it says, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, that there's need for endurance. And then there it is, verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And then 39, we are not those who shrink back, but of those who have faith. So he, he makes this contrast. Obviously, shrinking back is opposite of having faith, and he wants them to have faith. And then, because they're Jewish believers, and because this was a difficult thing in the time, because of the Pharisees pushing the works-based salvation, he's going to help us, and he's going to define faith, or help explain faith, so that they understand what he means by not shrinking back, but of faith. And so I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, chapter 11, which is our text this evening. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So if we start with verse 1, with all that background, with understanding Hebrews and looking at chapter 10, 32 through 39, he now says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I'm just going to break it up. I'm gonna, we're going to just look at this first section first, which says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So this word assurance can also be translated reality. Or guarantee. So now faith is the reality or the guarantee. And then we need to talk about this word hope. What does this word hope mean? 
Because if you were going to a test, I may say, well, I hope you do well. So is that the hope that they're using? Or, well, I hope, a ca- I, hope I catch a big fish when I'm going fishing. Is that the hope that the Bible uses? And it's not the hope that the Bible uses. In fact, hope in the Bible is always something for sure, but it's in the future. So it's not there yet, but it's, it's going to be. No matter, the, it's, I can bank on it. I hope is for sure. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read you. Uh, listen to Romans 8, verses 24 through 25. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And the last little phrase of verse 25 in Romans really helps. We wait eagerly for it. So if it was kind of a whimsical hope, like I hope I catch a big fish, I'm probably not going to sit there day in, day in, like day in, day out, all night, just waiting. Or I hope you do good on your test, you know, and you're waiting in anticipation. But this is a hope that you, you, you eagerly wait for. It's going to happen. It's coming. It's just in the future. So let's, let's take a look at the second part of verse 1. The conviction of things not seen. So conviction can also be translated evidence of things not seen. And so this is an interesting uh, definition for faith. When, when our world uses faith, I don't usually think of, or people don't usually think of, assurance in the word conviction or evidence. And yet, the Bible defines faith as that. And so, when I think about that, and, and I tried to wrestle with, what, is, what are we getting at here? What is God trying to communicate? I thought, well, do I just need to have more faith and try to muster something up? You know, like, well, yeah, that's the... You know, that is the assurance, and I'm going to hope for it, and it's a conviction. But as I looked at it, Ephesians 2.8 helps, and it says that faith is a gift from God. And Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing about Christ. So it's actually a gift of God that he gives us faith. So he gives us of this assurance of things hoped for, in the conviction of things not seen. And it has to be a Christian definition, doesn't it, faith? Because what are you going to place faith in here on earth? I mean, are you really going to be as bold to say, I have an assurance of the thing that I know for sure is going to happen, and a conviction of something I can't see, unless it's a God who is eternal, who never changes, and His Word is always true? I mean, it has to be a Christian definition. And so, it's an interesting thing. And and then when I think of verse 1, I'm also challenged, and we should be challenged, because this definitely directs our lives. Because if we have this assurance, we know Jesus is coming back. And even in Matthew, it teaches us, don't be wasting your time when you know that The groom is coming. Don't be wasting your time. And so if we have the assurance, which is 100% hope for, future, 
that changes how we live. The conviction of what we don't see. And so let's move to verse 2. For by it the men of old gained approval. And so this is kind of what our whole series is about. Our whole series is about these men of old are Old Testament saints. Because the Jews at the time, they needed encouragement to live by faith. and They, they, they could have had New Testament people, but why not use Old Testament men and women who had faith to encourage them to press on? And so as we look at this, we look at Cain and Abel, right in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. And so that last part of verse 2, it's translated in the NASB, gained approval, could be obtained a good testimony. So through this faith that God grants, men of old gained approval or a good testimony. And that's what we're going to spend a majority of the summer looking at. How did these men exercise faith? How did they live by faith? So verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Verse 3 to me, puts faith right, in, right up front to us today. Because it's talking about creation. It's saying, by faith we understand. So, to the atheist scientist, we have a better understanding of how the earth was created already. By faith. And by the definition, it's not a whimsical uh, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm just going to hope that when I die, this is all going to turn out. No, faith is defined as assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. And so we look and by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. And that's a very interesting phrase because Psalm 33.6 says, by the word of Yahweh, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. So that's an Old Testament teaching that he reminds these, old, these New Testament Jewish believers. And it's got to be an encouragement to us because we can place this kind of faith in the word of God. It's not going to pass away. Everything that we see will pass away. And yet... God's word will not. And so as I did this study, I wanted to look at how our world defines faith. So like any good college student, I looked up, I just googled, what is faith? And I found some pretty interesting things. I wanted to describe what the Bible teaches on faith, and then we can compare it to what our world uses. And here I quote, it's by an unknown person, but... Sometimes the best thing you can do is not think, not wonder, not imagine, not obsess, just breathe and have faith that everything will work out for the best. 
Isn't that so true? When we hear the word faith, that's what I thought of. In fact, this study has been so good for my own heart, and I hope this is good for yours as well, because that's kind of what I thought of of faith. It's like, well, we'll just hope everything works out. You know, I think of Cain and Abel because that's what we're going to study later. And I'm pretty sure Abel wasn't like, well, I'm going to you know, provide this sacrifice and I just hope everything works out because then his, his brother killed him in a field. By faith, he, he, he did what was required. And, and I got another quote and it's from a, an atheist website and it saddens me uh, from what, what I read. It says, faith is not a virtue. Faith is gullibility, dishonesty, blindness. Faith is the absence of reason. Faith should not be respected. It should be detested. That's by an atheist website. And yet if we look at chapter 11, verse 6 of Hebrews, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. That's a confused understanding of what true faith is. It's not blindness. We're not blindly saying, well, I have faith. I don't know how this is, you know. We may not understand how every single situation or difficulty is going to, but we can look at Romans 8.28. Place our faith in that everything is going to work out for good for those who love God. We know that. We can consider it joy when we have trials. We just studied James. We can trust in that. It's not blindness. And it's routed, it's rooted in the very word of God. We look at Noah, for example, rooted in the word of God. He's, God told, tells him, make a boat. Guess what? It never rained on earth before that. Make a boat? I'm in a desert. I mean, think about that. Make a boat. It's never rained on earth. And he does it by faith. Mocked and ridiculed by the people. Abel, faith, faith given, sacrifice. Moses leaving this, the, the life of sin in Egypt. And it walking around in a desert for 40 years. Faith. But not on no whimsical, well, I don't know how this is going to pan out. God said it, and so he, in faith, he went. He went. So I hope that challenges our view of faith, our understanding of faith, the assurance, the reality, the guarantee of things hoped for, future. The conviction of things not seen. And so, in conclusion, I've got to ask, do you have a biblical faith? Do you go to the Word of God and you say, I know that what you say, even, in, even if I want to sin and I don't want to do what you say, I know that that's best. I'm, I'm in. I have faith. And if you don't know the Lord tonight, I pray that you would. I pray that you would place faith in the Word of God which says, none are righteous, no, not one. 
that you would realize that all of your good deeds are as filthy rags. And that our God is a saving God. That he longs for you to come to him. It's found in the very, his very word. That he loves you and cares for you. And that you must repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for a believer, with this kind of faith, it should be manifest in how we live. The assurance that Jesus is coming back, that we'll be with Him. The, assur- the assurance that we see in Scripture that our friends and family that don't know Him, will, they'll live in eternal torment should propel us to go and share. Let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us about faith. Thank you for having your author, you know who that was, and you also as the author, to teach us, to help us. God, I pray that the men and women in this room that we would all have faith like this, that you would grant faith like this. Conviction, assurance. God, we know that you're here, that I'm not just praying to nobody, but by faith we know that you forgive and that you love. Even as we sing, we sing of future things that we know will come. We know that there'll be a reality one day. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.